Well, good morning and welcome to Bridgewater. If I haven't gotten a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tim and I'm one of the pastors here and we are so excited that you all are here today. Uh, about seven years ago, someone attempted to break into my friend Keith's house. My friend Keith, his wife, and his four girls lived down in Pittsburgh and most likely the guy was drunk, he had no idea what he was doing, and uh, this man just proceeded to force his way into their house. And so that was a pretty scary situation. As you can imagine, they were upset, they were frazzled, they were just outright terrified. Well, fast forward seven years on the same day of that year. They were sitting at home, Keith and his wife, his kids were in bed. It was about 9.50 at night. And all of a sudden, they began to hear another noise at their door. Their storm door began to get jostled, and they heard some noises at their front door, and it started some banging and clanging, and thankfully, their front door was locked. And so they were panicked, they were terrified, they began to scramble and shelter in place, they made sure that their girls were safe, and this noise seemed to go on for about 10 minutes. Eventually, my friend Keith decided he was going to see what was going on at the store, and so he took a peek out the window, and he noticed that it was really just a boisterous, clumsy Amazon delivery driver. <laughs> and so often the Amazon delivery driver would put the packages in between the storm door and the front door, and he was fumbling around, he was banging into the door, and it was, it was late at night, I'm sure it was a long night for him, and uh, that was all it was. But I wonder, have you ever been there? Have you ever been afraid? Have you ever been worried or terrified? Yeah. I think we all have, right? And maybe for you, it's, it's not necessarily somebody breaking into your house, but maybe it's something that happened to you in the past. Maybe it's something that somebody did to you in the past. Maybe you're afraid of what's going on with the economy. Maybe you're afraid of, of losing your job or that job that you hope you would get Maybe you're fearful of something that's going on health-wise in your life. Maybe you're afraid of the economic downturn or the election. Or maybe you're afraid for what's happening with your kids. Or maybe you're fearful of what's happening in your parents. The reality is, you and I, we all wrestle with, we all experience fear and worry. Everything from general anxieties to life-dominating phobias we all interact with fear and worry. And I wonder today, what if there was a practice that we could find in God's word that would help us overcome fear, that would help us overcome worry, but not just overcome fear and worry, but it actually would help us better tune our hearts to God and his heart. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. So grab your Bibles and go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, last week we talked about this practice of fasting and prayer and how we see that God uses that practice to tune our hearts to his. And today we're going to look at a different practice. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it's in the Old Testament. Find First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, then First and Second Chronicles. We'll start reading in verse 1. Verse 1 says, After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, with some of the Mayunites, came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. 
Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already at Hazazon Tamar, that is, En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. So Jehoshaphat finds out, he learns that genocide is only a few miles away. It's not just a vast army, it's three armies, and they want to completely wipe them off the map. They want to annihilate them. He hears of this news. They're just miles away. Let me just show you where Judah is. Give me a map of Judah. So there's Judah. Above that is Israel. Then over there to the side is Amnon. Then below that, across the Dead Sea is Moab, then Edom. And so not just one army, not just two armies, but three armies. This is a triple threat. They're all coming to attack Jehoshaphat and just wipe them out completely. So if I'm Jehoshaphat and I hear of this news, I am absolutely terrified. Like I'm ready to pee my pants. And I, I'm, I'm scrambling, trying to figure out what am I going to do? I'm starting to text my friends. I'm calling. I'm watching. I'm re-watching Home Alone. Hopefully I can get some ideas on how to set up some traps with some paint cans and some Legos. I have no idea what I'm going to do. But notice what Jehoshaphat does. He doesn't freak out. And he is scared. He doesn't go on Twitter. He doesn't go to the internet. He stops and he prays. He goes to God and he begins to talk to the one who can actually do something about his situation. Moabites, Ammonites, Mayunites, they're all launching this attack. So what do you do when fear and worry attack? What do you do when trials and troubles and difficulties attack? Because if we're honest, those things can cause an interruption or disruption with you and your walk with God. And we can kind of feel like God's not there. We can start to feel and question, are you really interested in my life? Do you really care? And we kind of feel a little bit of out of tune. But what if those fears were actually opportunities to better tune our hearts to his? Jehoshaphat is not just praying. He's actually proclaiming a fast. He's saying, I want everybody to fast and pray. I want everybody just to set aside some food for a moment. And then while you're hungry, when you experience those hunger pains, let that be a reminder to pray because this is not going to happen. These armies are too big, they're too strong, and we don't have a plan. We're outnumbered. But he recognizes if this is going to happen, the only way it's going to happen is if God shows up and he does something miraculous. Notice what happens next in verse 4. It says, The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. 
power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. But God, now here are men from Amnon, Moab and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance? Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Jehoshaphat says, he's confessing to God, I have no idea what to do. We are outnumbered. We're going to die. We have no plan. There is no easy button. And he runs to God and he seeks God and they begin to fast. They begin to pray and everybody comes together. And notice they're seeking God. This really is an act of worship. It might not be singing right now, but they are seeking him, looking to him, praying to him. I just want you to know, we had an awesome morning of worship. I mean, how many of you just wanted to keep on singing? We have an amazing worship team, right? God is doing an incredible thing. They did an awesome job. You're right. But I just want to expand our view of worship, right? We have a worship team, and we were singing to God. We were singing about God, and that is worship. But worship is so much more than what we do here on Sunday morning. And I don't mean to make light of what we are doing here, but it's so broader than that. Paul Tripp says that everything you say and everything you do is an act of worship. Everything you say and everything you do is worship. Then he says, human beings by their very nature are worshipers. Worship is not something we do. It defines who we are. You cannot divide human beings into those who worship and those who don't. Everybody worships. It's just a matter of what or whom we serve. And it's clear that Jehoshaphat is worshiping, that Judah and his people, they are worshiping. It's just a matter of who you're worshiping or what you're worshiping. So tomorrow when you go to work and everybody begins talking about their weekend and you begin to share what happened in your life and you begin to tell a story hoping for a reaction or you tell that joke hoping to get a laugh and everyone kind of stares at you like, who cares? And you walk away and you're like, dang, that stinks. No one even noticed. No one even laughed at my joke. No one even noticed that my story was really exciting. No one even mentioned anything about what we did. No one even cares and you're discouraged, and you're bummed, or 
You go to school and you realize that no one pays attention to you. No one sits by you at lunch and you're frustrated with that. And what is that we were worshiping? I wanted the praise of people. I wanted their attention. I wanted their love and their affection. Everything that we say and do is worship. And so we see his response. He is worshiping. Jehoshaphat is leading his people to worship God. We can give in to fear. We can give in to worry. We can start that spin cycle or we can worship. We have a decision to make. When fear and worry and panic begin to flood our minds, are we gonna give in or are we gonna worship? Or are we gonna keep thinking on those thoughts, keep dwelling on those thoughts, let worship and fear just take over and consume us? Or will we worship? Notice what he says in verse 12. This is incredible. God, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to do. Have you ever been there? God, my marriage is about to fall apart. I have no idea what to do. God, I see the economy. I see my financial situation. I can't make more money. I have no idea what to do. God, I don't know what's going on in the life of my kids, but everything seems to be falling apart. I have no idea what to do. God, I can't figure this out. My life is a hot mess. I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. Where do we put our eyes? Jehoshaphat is, is confessing. He's acknowledging, I'm all out of options. I have nothing, but my eyes are on you. He's clearly worshiping with everything that he's thinking about, with everything that he's talking about. As he's seeking God, he is worshiping. He recognizes that worship is God's battle plan. That's it. Worship is God's battle plan. That's all they have. And they are going to the one who can actually do something about it. I can't fix this on my own. We don't have enough men. We're not smart enough. We're not strong enough. We are going to get annihilated. And he worships. Goes to the one who can actually change the outcome. He places his confidence in God, not in his army. God is the only one he can, who can do something. They're worshiping as they seek God. They're worshiping as they praise God. They're worshiping as they, as they fast, as they pray. And they're fixing their eyes on God. What would it take for you and I to just fully commit to fix our eyes and our attention on God? What's stopping you right now? What's holding you back from going all in and saying, you know what? No matter what happens today or this week, I'm going to commit and fix my eyes on God. I'm going to fix my eyes on the one who can do something about it. But notice what happens next. Verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Madaniah, a Levite, that's important. Levite, those were the, that was the worship team, the Levites and descendants of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. 
He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to do. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Why would you think I was afraid? Why would you think I would be discouraged? I mean, there's only like three armies ready to wipe me out. I don't understand. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? For the battle is not yours, but God's. <laughs> the battle doesn't even belong to you, Jehoshaphat. It doesn't belong to your army. It doesn't belong to your men. God is going to do something about this. This is incredible because they've been praying and now they have a right perspective. God is trying to fix their, this for them. And he's praying the right things. A lot of times we go to God and we're like, okay, God, take care of this. Remove this. Let me see my magic eight ball. Give a little shake and just remove all of the fear, remove all of my problems. But Jehoshaphat doesn't pray that. He says, God, I, I don't know what to do. I'm, but I'm going to fix my eyes on you. And God sends this battle plan. Take a look at what happens next in verse 16. Here's the battle plan. Tomorrow, march down against them. Okay. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jerel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why? Because God's going to be with you. He's right here with you. And so when you leave and fear and worry seem to follow you wherever you go, God is right there with you. At work, at school, at home, as anxiety rises, as fears continue to flood your minds, as trials, as troubles, as difficulties continue to pile on over and over and over again, God is right there with you. Even though it doesn't make any sense, even though it doesn't seem like there's actually a solution right now, Jehoshaphat finds comfort in the fact that God is with him. He still wants you to be involved. He still wants Jehoshaphat to take his position, go get ready, bring your men out there, stand firm, get ready. Don't just ignore it. Don't just run and hide. Don't pretend like it doesn't exist. Go out there, be prepared, get ready, because God is with you. He still wants them to be involved. And so they are fighting fear by having this right perspective, knowing that God is with them. So many times, fear runs into our minds. Worry floods into our hearts. And we are just freaking out. But what would happen if we just shifted our perspective and we began to remind ourselves over and over and over again, all right, God's in control of everything right now. God is right here with me right now. And I began to shift my attention towards him. Don't ignore him. Don't, don't deny it. But remember, he's right there with you. 
Look at what happens next. Verse 18, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kothites and the Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa as they set out. Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me. Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. That's the Levites. That's the choir. That's the worship team right there. Levites, worship team, get out and sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. Who's at the head of the army? The worship team. The worship team, get everybody who sings out in front. Let them go first in front of the army. How do we like that worship team? Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm going to go help out with kids ministry. Here's the song. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. He responds in worship. Gathers the worship team. Says, I want all of you out in front. I want you to sing. I want you to sing loudly. Worship is everything that we say and do. Get involved. Sing loudly. And I know some of you are like, but Tim, I don't even like to sing. Tim, I don't even, I'm not even good at singing. That really wasn't a prerequisite. God wants to hear your voice. He knows the voice he gave you. He knows the talents and abilities he gave each of us. And he still desires to hear us sing. Passionately, loudly, off key, out of tune. That's okay. Trust me, I have that same spiritual gift, singing off-key and off-tune. But notice, notice they're not singing, yes, I will. They're not singing, great are you, Lord. Notice the first line, give thanks to the Lord. That's the first line, give thanks to the Lord. They're being thankful in their song. Thankfulness helps me fight fear and worry. Because fear and worry is so focused on me. And it's focused on what if this? What if that? And all the questions and doubts and things I'm wrestling with tomorrow, but thankfulness is flipping that over. And now I'm focused on what God is doing. So that first line is give thanks to the Lord. I mean, he's facing not one enemy, not two enemies, but three enemies and you would think, this is a great time to complain, yell, be angry, be discouraged, and certainly worry. <laughs> and they stop and they give thanks. Notice the next line. His love endures forever. He's declaring truth. When I'm worried, when I'm afraid, when anxiety is flooding in, I'm not thinking of things that are true. I'm all about 
this is going to go wrong. This is going wrong. This is terrible. This definitely stinks. This can only get worse, and it will. And it's not until I just pull back and go, okay, wait a minute. God, I'm not thinking thoughts that are true and right and pure and honorable. His love endures forever. He is declaring truth. God, you're the one in control. God, you love us so much. And when I'm worried, I not only need to pray, but I need to begin thinking the right thoughts. And so many times when I pray, I'm asking God, help me with these thoughts because I'm not thinking the right things. I'm wondering, I'm wishing, I'm hoping, I'm stuck in what if land. But here's the next thing I want you to see. Worship reminds us of how big God is. Worship reminds us of how big God is. This is a part of the battle plan. You can skip ahead to the next one. It's part of the battle plan. And I want you to notice, here's a really cool verse in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12 says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Hold out your hand. Look right in the middle of your hand. That's the hollow of your hand. Who measures the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand from his thumb to his pinky? Who measures the entire heavens? Who measures the entire universe in the span of his hand? Who's held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales. Mount Everest, mountains, plural, weighing them in a scale and a balance. Who did all that? God. Who weighs Mount Everest in a scale? God did. He knows exactly how much it weighs. Who holds the entire universe in the span of his hand, not, not the Milky Way, the entire universe, God, because that's how big he is, but he's also right here with you. And they're recognizing that, they're acknowledging that, their perspective is changing. When you see how big God is, my fears and my worries, they are big but they're so much smaller. And I'm not downplaying the struggles and the fears that you're wrestling with. I'm not making light of the things that are happening right now because those are real and they are big. And some of you wake up with anxiety and it continues throughout the whole day. You can't sleep. You go to bed and it's still there. But what if we begin to change our perspective just a little bit and see how big our God really is? Watch what happens when they follow God's battle plan. Verse 22. As they begin to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Amnon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah. And they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. 
After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. While the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was such a plunder that it took three days to collect it all. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Berkah, where they praised the Lord, and this is why it's called the Valley of Berkah to this day. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. The Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. That's amazing that they trust that God is actually going to do what he says he's going to do. They acknowledge how big he is. They've been seeking him. They've been praying to him. He says, here's the battle plan. Go get ready. I'm going to take care of the battle. And in his providence, in his love, in his care, he confuses all of the armies. They end up fighting and destroying each other. And Jehoshaphat and his men just sit back and go, huh, we didn't have to do anything. And we just sat back and sang and praised and worshiped God. And he did all of the work. He's so incredibly caring and big And he cares about the things of your life and my life. And notice, the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace. That word peace literally is the idea of quiet and undisturbed. Nobody was going to mess with Jehoshaphat in his kingdom. Nobody was going to mess with Judah while he was the king. It was quiet and undisturbed. It was at peace. Because God was watching over them. God was taking care of them. This is not on the slides, but in 2 Chronicles 17, verse 10, it says, the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land surrounding Judah. So they did not go to war against Jehoshaphat. It's incredible. Worship precedes peace. We want peace to come first. We want quiet, undisturbed, ease, convenience to come first. But they start by worshiping God, seeking him, praying to him, going after him, trusting him, singing to him, singing about him, declaring truth. And God is the one that changes everything. This is a a miraculous deliverance that only God can get the credit for. So how do we overcome fear? How do we come, overcome worry? We see these things that, that Jehoshaphat's doing. We see what Judah is doing. They're going to God. They're praying. They're, they're praying the right prayers, not just saying like, hey, take care of this. Help me remove all my fear. They're just saying, God, I literally have no idea what to do. 
but my eyes are on you. And they start reminding themselves of what is true, what God has done in the past, how he's taken care of them. Their perspective is changing. Their thinking is right. Look how big God is. He is incredible. They're being thankfulness. They're fighting fear and worry with thankfulness and singing. So what do we want? What do we, what do we need to do? Here's some things I would challenge for you to do. One, come prepared and timely to worship. Come early, come prepared, come ready to sing because God will not only use these songs that we sing today, when you sing them often and you remember them and you sing out, by the way, you can do that other days other than Sunday and God will use that. So come prepared, sing out in the services. Even if you don't feel it, just sing. And, and by the way, you guys are doing phenomenal at singing. I love hearing your voices. Even when the worship team is like, okay, they pull back and just, just you guys are singing. The decibels go up by like 10. And it wasn't even the instruments. So sing out, keep singing out. Listen to, to worship music. We have a Spotify playlist. Share that worship music with others. Add singing to your battle plan. That's one of the ways that we can fight fear and worry, but it's also how we can better tune our hearts to God's. If you feel distant from God, let's start doing some of those things and see what happens. But also, pray. We can go to God and talk to him about anything that is going on. And as we get closer to Easter, I want to remind you of a couple of things that we talked about about a month ago. There were some goals that we set. And I talked about prioritizing the mission. I talked about coming early, parking far, sitting close, staying late. Easter is coming. Imagine when your friends come to Easter and the best parking spot is the closest one. Imagine when a family of four comes in and they don't have to sit on separate sides of the auditorium. They can sit together because we're sitting close, making room for them in the back. Because when it's your first Sunday or it's your first in a long time, it's kind of uncomfortable. Nobody wants to sit up on stage with me. <laughs> and then we talked about praying for lost people. We talked about praying, investing, inviting. We have these pray, invest, invite cards on our welcome desk. I want you to grab one if you don't have one. Write a name of a friend, a neighbor, a coworker that you can begin praying for, that we can see God work and change their hearts. But as you go today, I want to challenge you to fix your eyes on God as you worship Him. Let me pray. God, you are amazing. And I acknowledge there's times in my life where I have no idea what you're doing. I have no idea what to do. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I feel lost. I feel overwhelmed. I feel conflicted by fear and worry. Panic sets in. But I know if I fix my eyes on you, if we worship you, you'll take care of everything. You've always taken care of us. You've always provided for us. 
and you continue to change lives, you continue to work in our hearts and I ask that as we go today, our battle plan would be filled with worship and praise and singing. For those who are struggling, who are crippled with worry and fear, I just pray that you would come alongside them this morning and you would be their comfort and you would help us to fix our eyes on you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.